How are we doing this morning? Thank you guys for that. Appreciate that. Good to have Chad back there on the drums. Did y'all notice that? He's been sneaking in there on us, bringing them metal drums to the to the worship stage. Come on, come on. That's awesome. Oh um, man, it's it's good to be with you guys more. I, I got to tell you, I got to I got to hang out with Josh Huddens this week. And uh, man, if y'all don't know who Josh is, one of our deacons, one of the guys at our church, he had a terrible stroke last year. Uh, really thought, really thought that, uh, well, the doctors really thought <laughs> that we were going to lose him uh, that day. And uh, man, he has come so far. And I got to, he had a, he had a surgery putting his skull cap back on and stuff. And I won't get into details of anything, but uh, I just want to say I got to hang out with him and he's doing fabulous. Uh, man, it was, uh, you know, he and I grew up together, so we'd go way back, and, and we just, we sat for a long time and told stories, and, you know, just, it was good. He's, he's doing great, so continue to pray for him and them, and uh, reach out to them when you can, so uh, very, very good stuff. Um, man, I want to jump into this passage if we can this morning, because I, I'd really like to, to cover uh, as much of it as we can. Uh, this is, uh, if you've got a Bible and you want to go ahead and get it out, we're going to 2 Samuel chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles, uh, and they love to bring you Bibles. Just throw your hand in the air so that they know where to send it, right? Okay. <laughs> it's too easy to say the same stuff over and over, so I don't, you know, have to make it fresh. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, um, would love for you to be able to follow along with, with us. And if you don't own a Bible, uh, please always know that you can always take one of those Bibles, and it can be yours. It's a gift. You keep it, take it with you, uh, let the Lord speak to you through it. Um, this passage that we're, we're talking about today, uh, we've been in this series on David, and Oh, I, I hate to say it, but like there's so much to, I mean, just like anybody else's life, it's not like, any, you know, it's being different for anybody else, but when you're doing a study of someone, I, I kind of hate like knowing that I'm missing pieces along the way uh, and we're trying to pick up very key pieces to uh, help educate, but also just for folks to see, uh, you know, God working through the, through the life of David, uh, you know, and, and obviously through some of the the words that we chose and things that are on the screen that rolled in that little video or whatever, you know, part of that is, uh, you know, the idea of that is that we want people to understand that David wasn't perfect, you know, and, and I think a lot of times we look at people in scripture like a Moses or a David or whoever it is, and we go, oh my gosh, that guy, he's, you know, he's, you know, he's perfect, and that's why God chose him to do something and all this stuff, and it's the exact opposite. He's like so not perfect uh, you know, and people are like, oh, well, what about Moses? Well, I mean, Moses strikes a rock and, you know, sins against God. And I mean, you know, it's, it's, he, they're just like us. You know, God chooses people like us uh, to do great things for his kingdom. Uh, and guys like Moses and David are just like us. And so uh, anyway, with this passage with David, I want to encourage you because we are, we are missing, we are skipping over some pieces. We're not really skipping over the pieces. We've chosen to, uh, to, to select pieces that we feel like uh, would be great for us as a church to study through. And so, uh, but what I'm encouraging you to do is you fill in the blanks. 
you go back and you read the pieces. I hope, I hope that it's compelling enough. I hope that David's life, God's word, the story of God and of itself is compelling enough that you would want to go back in your spare time and study the pieces that we don't get to hit on Sunday mornings. And so uh, we're, jumping, we're jumping all the way to 2 Samuel 6 today um, and, and where we left off of chapter 25 of uh, 1 Samuel. And so, and there's quite a few things that happen, and of those things I think that are worth mentioning, uh, there's a couple things that I think have to be, have to be brought up, and one of those uh, is that uh, King Saul finally dies, I don't mean that like in some, you know, uh, you know, hooray, he dies way, but I, I mean, we knew this was coming because all along David himself... Um, is you know anointed to become the king uh but we we kind of keep waiting for it and he comes under saul's authority and all of these things and and it's and it's even in that it's kind of a crazy turn of events and i'm not going to tell you how he dies you can go find it out for yourself uh and then uh and then after that david doesn't even become the king yet and I'm not going to tell you who does. So you can go find that out too. Uh, but basically, we finally get to this point where David becomes the king after several things that happen that you can go read about in Scripture. Uh, and, uh, and, then, and then we have this. We have David become the king. And then, I mean, like right after he becomes the king, the very next thing is he, he is on a mission. And his mission is this. His mission is that he wants to bring the ark back to him, back to Jerusalem, back to God's people to be in the center and, and really as close as he can get it to him without basically putting it in the house. Uh, and still it be for the people and, and be uh, a central thing or to build a place around which uh, the folks could worship. And, and you may go, okay, well, the ark. Okay, well, I know about the ark because I watched Indiana Jones one time, right? I know some of you are thinking that, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Uh, and so, uh, you know, so there's a whole lot more to the ark than just Indiana Jones. Uh, but there's a whole lot of reason why Indiana Jones is looking for the ark uh, and why people today are still looking for the ark. Uh, and, and I don't have like a ton of time to tell you all about the ark, but basically this is something that God instructed Moses to have built. And Moses has this thing built, and then what goes in it are the tablets with the Ten Commandments, uh, Aaron's rod, uh, a bowl of manna, and then this thing is sealed, and it's got this crate. It's, it's, first of all, it's a wooden box, uh, and it's, it's covered in gold, and it's got a lid, and it's covered in gold, and the lid has two cherubim on it, you know, which are these, you know, crazy-looking angel, you know, things, probably not precious moments. Let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. More like warriors that would kill you if they came to life, and, uh, and God would, basically, his presence, his presence stays with this thing. So, you know, Indiana Jones wanting to find the ark isn't just about, you know, hey, this will be another cool museum piece. This is about so much more than that. And for the people of God, this is, this is like bringing in an anointing, like we're going to bring in the presence of God. And so we have this, we have this thing that David recognizes and that Saul completely missed out on. Saul completely missed the boat on this. 
I mean, there's a lot of things that Saul missed the boat on. And in general, him not seeking the Lord is probably at the top of that list. But David is so much seeking the Lord that he so much wants to be near and close to the Lord that he's like, we got to get the ark and we got to get that thing here. And I want it as close as I can get it to me and to us and to our people, God's people, that they might be blessed by having it, that the Lord might be with us. And so we're going to pick up in this passage with here what we have, which honestly parts of this are in, you know, if you go look at your Indiana Jones stuff, you're going to find the tie-ins, okay? So you can go watch the movie later or whatever. Uh, but, but this, in verse 5, we're going to pick up where David has already had a, had a cart built to carry the ark, okay? And they're going to get it. And here we start in verse 5, and it says this. It says, And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord. Okay? They, are, they have the ark in hand. They have it on their cart. They made this fancy little cart that they're going to travel on. That turns out not to be a great, great idea. We'll go back to that in just a minute. But it says they were celebrating before the Lord. And when it says before the Lord there, it is talking about that the Lord was present above it, that the Lord was present with it. Okay? And so they are literally celebrating as they have gotten this thing, but they're in, they're in route back home with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Now, if you've seen Indiana Jones, you know why this is not good for Uzzah. Why? Anybody know? It kills him. It's going to kill him. You see... In the scriptures, it was written very specifically on how you moved the ark. The ark being a box, I think it's like 52 inches by 31 by 31 or something around that. Don't quote me on that. And it's got, it's got four rings around this thing. And the way it was designed was that the rings, I think they're also gold, uh, are to never come off of it. And those rings are to run these poles through it. The poles would then be carried by... A Levite who would have been, uh, you know, like an assistant to a priest, okay, to carry this thing to where it's going. And very specifically, this is how it had to go. You couldn't just throw it on your cool new wagon as clean as it might be or whatever they did to, you know, they, I'm sure they, you know, we're going to make this really nice thing and it, make it out of the best wood or whatever they did but not the best thing to do. And in verse 7, we see, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error, and he died there beside the ark of God. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. And that place is known as Perez-Uzzah to this day, which means outburst against Uzzah. And David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David was not wanting to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David, but David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the, the Gittite, and the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. So th this is an interesting thing. We're, we're like, we're, you know, in the middle of the move, okay? 
And I don't know when the last time was you moved, but, you know, when you're in the middle of the move, that sometimes is like the worst, right? I had to move a whole bunch of stuff recently that I wasn't planning or intending to move for my side business. It was awful, okay? The only good part was getting to hang out with some friends who were uh, sucker enough or loved me enough or something crazy. I don't know. They've lost their minds to be willing to help me do it. And, uh, and, but in the middle of the thing, that's like the hardest thing. And here they are in the middle of the deal, and David's like, I don't know what to do. How are we supposed to move this thing? It's going to kill us. David missed going back and seeing what the scripture said on what to do with this. It was written. He could have, he could have looked back. If he had done that from the beginning, Uzzah probably would have been a bigger part of the story other than, uh, you know, he put his hand on this thing and he died. Instead, what's, what ends up happening? In the middle of the move, he's got this guy that he trusts, Obed-Edom, and he's like, hey, bro, we're going to put this thing in your house. And, the, and I'm sure the guy's like, okay, you put, you put God's presence in my house, bring it on, you know? And so they put this thing in the house, and what happens is amazing in and of itself. It says right there in verse 11, in the ark the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom and the Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And in verse 12, we see that David finds out about this, and it says, and it was told... King David, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. So then he goes back and finally they figure out, you know, okay, well the scriptures say this is what we're supposed to do and we're missing some of those pieces, but we know that that's what they did. And then they bring, bring the ark to Jerusalem. And so in the middle of all this, this guy gets blessed with getting to be in the presence of the Lord. His whole house gets, gets blessed by it. And in fact, we know later in Scripture that this guy gets asked to basically come and be like the babysitter, to be the guy who's going to care for and help make sure that everything is cool with the ark. So not only does he get blessed because uh, David decides to park his car, not really a car, but you know what I'm saying, park the ark in his house, for this extended period of three months and they receive these great blessings from the Lord the whole time that it's there not only that but the rest of his life is forever changed but because the Lord chose to continue to bless Obed-Edom David saw this as a great thing in him to be a great caretaker of the ark they bring the ark and it stays, it would end up staying here almost four, well, a little over 450 years, I think 456 years before something would happen to the temple and all these things and, and, and just this amazing, amazing story of God working through something that seems so simple and something that, that to us is even a piece of pop culture to some degree thanks to movies and all these other things. But it's real. It's real. This isn't a fable, you know? And it's amazing when we get to see these things tie in and for us to be reminded that the Lord is at work and his presence is real. David desperately wanted to be close to the Lord. Verse 13, it says, 
And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all of his house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. So basically in the midst of even this move, you know, he's like, well, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna have a sacrifice. We're going to worship the Lord. I mean, he's, he's getting crazy. He, he, you're gonna see, he's going to be dancing. He's going to be all over the place. And you're thinking, well, that's, I mean, that's great. You know, that's awesome. And I, and, I, and I just, what I see here is I see David just, I mean, here he is. He just became the king. He just became the king. Think, think about like what you'd do if you came into power. Like what's the first thing are you going to, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going you're gonna to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to buy this thing because you got some money, you're going to you know, help this person because you got some power, you're going to change this thing to try to set things right in the world or you know, whatever it is. What's David do? Let's go get the Ark of the Covenant. Let's go bring God here. Let's do what we can to bring his presence to our presence in order that we might be changed by him. This is David's heart. This is David's heart. And, it, and it's amazing to get to see this because you got Saul, who basically, King Saul, the whole time he was the king, which I think was 40 years, the whole time he was king, in that period of time, the only time he brings up the ark is when there's a battle coming up that he's a little anxious about and he says, hey boys, why don't you guys go get the ark? Let's get that thing and let's have that thing over here. And so basically, it's like he's treating his relationship with God like some kind of rabbit foot. And even though David's heart was in the right place, his method was wrong in transporting the ark because he never looked to the scriptures. And I think this is so much like us. I think we kind of we float through life. We don't, we don't mean to do this, but sometimes we are guilty of treating our relationship with the Lord like that rabbit foot. And in doing so, we're like, well, you know, we'll get that out for a little good luck, you know. And maybe the Lord will take care of us through this little bumpy moment that we've got going on here. But then beyond that, we also go about making decisions in life, important decisions in life, that impact our family in huge ways and never once seek the Lord. Never once pray. Never once spend time in His Word. Never once say, hey, God, could you lead us in this moment? We need you in this moment to help us through this, that we would follow you. And David, David's heart was in the right place. But he wasn't familiar with the scriptures. And he didn't take the time to look. And he got so excited to do a great thing that he ended up doing it the wrong way. Verse 16, it goes on. It says, As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, this was, this was you remember her, right? This is the daughter that was going to marry David, right? 
uh, well, it was the second daughter of Saul that was going to marry David because Saul kind of had to put up somebody, and then he saw them making eyes at each other and all this stuff, and he's like, oh, well, I'll get David with her, you know. And so, uh, you know, they're, I guess, technically married, although you can tell in the Scripture it doesn't name her as David's wife right here, although we think she still is. Uh, and it says, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David leaping and dancing uh, before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. What? So, uh, married, not, whatever, they're probably married, okay? What the, out there, I think they're probably married. Uh, but she sees him out the window, and he's out here, and he's dancing, and he's, first of all, he's taken off his armor, and he's, and he's wearing, you know, what the priests are wearing. We saw that up above in the scripture there that we just read. And, and here she sees him, and he's, he's leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And it says, And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed among all of them the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins to each one. Then all the people departed, each to his house. One of these days, we're going to have one of these cakes of raisins. I mean, they're all through the old time. I mean, they must be like the most amazing thing. We're going to have Suzanne Novotny whip one of these things up together or something, you know, with some cookies with sprinkles on the side, okay? So, but, uh, yeah. And, and, and here we, and here, you know, he's, you know, he's, it's, it's worship. He's worshiping the Lord, and at the same time, he's, he's wanting the people that are there, his, the God's people and his people, to experience who God is and what he's done. And then in verse 20, it says, And David returned to bless his household. He's blessed everybody else at this point. Now he's returning to bless his household. But Michal, the son, the daughter, sorry, of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his, fem of his servants, female servants. As one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself, she's being sarcastic. This is sarcasm in the scriptures, okay? If you're not picking up on it, you know. Oh, how the king of Israel honored himself today and covering himself before the eyes of the servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Now, she's, you know, she's alluding to like that he's basically taking all of his clothes off, and we don't think that that is necessarily what's happened, uh, but she is, she's, she's elaborating on what has happened. And she's basically saying, I don't approve of what you're doing. You're being a fool. And in verse 21, it said, And David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me after your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes, but by the female servants of whom you've spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. In other words, what he just said to her is, girl, you ain't seen nothing yet. 
you, you think that was bad? You have no idea. I mean, and honestly, here is yet another glimpse. We've been seeing some glimpses. He likes the ladies too much. He has too many of them. You know, different things like this, but we're seeing some things which might, you know, might have her on the bitter side. I don't know, you know, at this point of what's going on. Uh, but either way, his response here, as much as we love it, we love it because we are sinners. And we love to respond sometimes to things that are bad that happen in a sinful way. Let's just be honest. And it's not okay. I mean, we like to make it okay, you know? And we wear t-shirts about it and post things, memes, whatever about it or whatever. But the truth is, it's really not okay. It's still sin in our heart. It still separates us from God. And I'm not here to be the police about it. I'm just saying it's something that we should watch. And we're seeing David do it. And of course, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I like seeing David do it. I'm, you know, it's, it's hard not to like, you know, after you know his heart for this whole thing was this. And then he's met with this person who's supposed to love him and care for him. And instead, she's like, fool, aren't you just thinking you're the greatest thing ever, you know, out here and acting a fool and not being a king. And basically, this is all to her about ego. And basically, she's saying, you're not acting like a king at all. You're acting like a fool. You're out here dressed like these people. You should be out or dressed like this and of course he's like you think that's bad you just wait and in verse 22 or verse 23 it says and Michal the daughter of Saul had no child to the day of her death now there's no elaboration on that we don't know we don't know, did the Lord decide in this moment? It kind of, kind of feels that way. Scriptures kind of feel that way. Like, did the Lord decide in this moment that because of the way she's acting, an unsupportive spirit of him pursuing the Lord and what he's doing and leading uh, the people of Israel in this direction, uh, that the Lord would do this to her? Or, or is it bitterness in David's heart that he decides at that moment in time that he's going to withhold from her any chance of her having a child for the rest of her life. We don't know. We know this. David is not ashamed of who God is to him. David is not ashamed. And it's pretty clear through the passage here that David is so not ashamed of who God is that he's willing to literally just I mean, just put himself out there dancing. And, and it, really, it really was kind of a big deal that the guy who is the king at this moment would literally lay his armor aside, dress like the priests, and go out and be dancing in the streets and doing all this stuff. And here we're going to have some sacrifice for the Lord. We're going to dance for the Lord. We're going to sing. We're going to have all these songs. And, of course, David's a big musician. We know that he was the guy that was, you know, handling the court for King Saul and all this beforehand. And here he is, out there doing this thing that he loves to do for the God he loves to do it for. And, I mean, day one, day one of being in the office, maybe not day one, week one, month one, something, of being in the office, pursuing the Lord, trying to figure this out. Actually, we know it's months later because they stopped, right? Okay, I get it. But right here in the beginning of his reign, the place where you'd think he would receive the most support and there's none there for him. But God 
to David was more important than anything else. God to David was more important than anything else. Psalm 40, verse 6. This is written by David. Okay? This is written by David. And it shows just a little bit of his heart toward the Lord, right? Psalm 40, verse 6. And it says this. It says, In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering, you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written to me, I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. David, in this psalm, quickly takes two things that really would have been hard for, I think, a lot of those folks to have understood without knowing Christ at this point in history and knowing what God was going to clearly do through Jesus, although they had an understanding that there would be a greater one to come, a Messiah to come, but they weren't sure how that was going to play out. And again, so many of them thought that was political in, in some kind of a politician who was going to come save them and their government and their people and those kinds of things, that at this moment, David clearly defines and draws this line to these two things that I think are so important. And it's one that... that we can make our sacrifices, but they are not enough. And then, that the law, your law, God, is in my heart, and really it comes down to me and what you've done in me. But David understands that there's something lacking here. He gets it, that there's something else to be had. This... Um, fellow named David Mathis wrote just a little bit about this, and I wanted to just read to you just a quick excerpt of something that he wrote. He said, perhaps the most profound difference between David and this better David named Jesus is that David's body can't cash the check. His zeal is ready to write. David can't bridge the gap between God's mercy and man's need that his burst of gratitude has him fired up for, but Jesus can. And so David, in his zeal to obey, models for us faintly the, zeal, the kind of zeal to obey God and not only, that not only led Jesus to empty himself of divine prerogative, but humble himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And in doing so, become the founder and perfecter of our faith there would be a better David in fact it was understood that he would come from the lineage of David and he did come from the lineage of David David begins to show us his sinfulness too many wives maybe not the best response to his wife about his adventure did he leave her to not have any more, to have any children for the rest of her life? Well, we don't know. We, these are just glimpses. We've already seen some other glimpses in other passages, but we know what's coming, and it proves to us he's fully human, a sinner like us. And it's a reminder for us. You know, much like Saul 
treated God, the ark, like a rabbit foot, good luck. It's just a reminder for us that that's not who God is. David wanted God to be the center of his life. He wanted God to be the center of his rule, the center of his rule over all these people if he's going to be the king. And the reminder is there that there would be a son, another son, and then another son, and then another son, and down the line there would be the son that would be the son better than David, better than all, the one that we needed, and his name would be Jesus. And today, might we examine our lives to see how we too can draw closer to God? And maybe you're here today and maybe you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you can say clearly, Chris, I don't, I don't even know what that means. I'm not even sure uh, if, if, if I'm a Christian or not. Listen, I'm going to tell you just very simply, God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to take the penalty for sin. You see, God is a just God. And sin has a penalty, and that penalty is death. God saw that he would have to intervene and he planned from the beginning that he would and he, he did intervene by sending his son to die on the cross, the death that we deserve for our sin, that we might not only be forgiven, but that we might be given life. And he did that for me. And he did that for you. And scripture tells us that all who would believe in him all who would call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you have never done that, man, I'd love to talk with you about that today before you leave here. At the end of the service, I will be around. For the rest of us, the question is, is what can we do in our lives to bring God into the center to be closer to God? Let's pray. God, we thank you for the chance that we have, Lord, to hear from your word. I pray, Lord, right now for us, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would make us more like you, draw us near, change us, change our hearts, change our attitudes, adjust us. Lord, as we need to be adjusted in so many ways. God, I pray, Lord, that you would do that. Today, we thank you that we can come. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the promise that we don't have to find the ark to be close to you. But, Lord, you have done something amazing through, through the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus. God, we don't need a priest to get close to you. We need to believe. And Father, I pray today for those who haven't believed that today you would change their life. God, that you would draw them closer to you. God, help us. Help us in putting you at the center of our lives. God, may we not go through life haphazardly making decisions without you, but may we trust and seek and allow you to lead. Thank you. Lord, for all you do for us. Thank you especially for your son. It's in his name we pray all these things. Amen.